at LSU in public administration. And listen to this is why we, we have him today, him, him here today, is because, um, you know, he's out in the quote unquote real world. You know, look at the things that, that, that the Lord has brought Tony through. He was a member of the United States Marine Corps, served after that, he was a deputy. East Baton Rouge Parish Sheriff Department. He started a news division at uh, a Baton Rouge TV station. He was elected uh, Louisiana State Representative in uh, the 64 district in 1996. He served there two terms. Um, in 2018, Mitch McConnell appointed him as the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Uh, he oversaw training of hundreds of international police officers as a general manager for a Washington, D.C.-based firm contracted by the U.S. Department of State to provide the training and services in anti-terrorism and bomb disposal. But now he's the president of Family Research Council, has been since 2003. Can't believe it's been 20 years, but 20 years already. And he's also a host of a daily uh, radio talk show, Washington Watch. I listened to him this morning on American Family Radio. But uh, I want y'all to give a warm welcome to Tony Perkins. As he comes up, let's just stand to our feet and begin to worship the Lord. Sing, come on my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, sing that. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you
Thank you, Jonathan. Man, good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for, uh, for being here. Excellent word, Gene. Excellent word. Randy, thank you for the invitation. And I, I want to thank Pastor Lee Shipp for just the, the, the work that he is doing. And, and this is evidence of it, to have this many men come out on a, on a Saturday morning. Uh, it, it's encouraging. Uh, this is this is the hope of our nation, and it does begin in, in the home. And uh, I, I hope you took to to heart the, the words that Gene had to share because that that was uh, was excellent. You know, a couple summers ago, I was uh, I was out speaking in Northern California, and I took my youngest son with me, who's here with me this morning. I've I just have a starter family. I just have five kids. Gene has uh, eight. Um, so I, I got started late. But um, so I always like to take one of my kids with me and I travel because I'm, I'm, I'm out a lot. I'm in D.C. about half the time and then other parts of the country. And, and uh, for 20 years, I've been traveling all around. So when I when I go, I like to I just I'm, I'm, I want to pour into my kids so we were out there, and I was speaking, and, and so I, I try to take in, you know, show them history. I mean, we homeschool, like Gene and Blanche, my wife, my wife homeschools. I'm, I'm the principal. But <laughs> so, I, you know, we're always, everything's educational, and, and that's really how God designed it. Everything, we ought to be talking to our kids. Every experience, we ought to be taking them back to Scripture. How do, how do they understand what's happening in the world around us? So, I mean, everything's a learning opportunity, and it can be fun. So anyway, we, we were out in Northern California, and uh, so I was Googling to see what was out there, and they had um, the Montgomery Forest. They got the huge redwoods and out there, and so we were able to, to go see that. And I, while I was Googling, I, I came up upon this place called uh, Hot Springs. It was Or Hot Springs, O-R-R, -R, Hot Springs. And, and I thought, well, that's pretty neat. So I was looking down the list, and then it, on their website, it says, Clothing Optional. And so I was reading down through the, best, uh, through the rest of the website, and there at the very bottom of the website, in big, bold letters, it said, Mask Required. <laughs> I mean, think about that for a minute. Clothing is optional, but masks are required. What a picture of the world in which we live. How upside down is this world? And that's, that's the world in which we live. And, and, and I, I didn't intend this. I haven't talked to Gene about what he had to say. Uh, but it was an excellent word. And, and I just want to take it to the next step in terms of, you know, he's talking about this mouse utopia. How many of you read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? God is about moving our cheese. 
And if you haven't read it, it's a book about change. And it's, it's a short book. You ought to read it. I, I've had my whole family read it. Because God is about moving our cheese. Why? Because he wants us to be strong warriors for his kingdom. He does not want us to be dependent. God did not create us to be dependent. We are interdependent upon his grace and upon his mercy and his provision. But God is about strengthening. He, uh, here's a news flash for you. God is in, not about your temporal comfort. He's about your eternal destination. And so he's going to move your cheese. And you need to be prepared for it. And this morning, I want to share just very briefly from the, the word from Daniel chapter 3. But I'm often asked, and I get this question quite frequently, Tony, What? because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with leaders constantly. In the last administration, I was very close to the administration. I served as the chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. I traveled the world into nice places like Sudan, Turkey, uh, you know, vacation spots. And, you know, I was often asked, Tony, what keeps you up at night? What is it that really bothers you that keeps you awake? I'd be honest, the only thing that keeps me up at night is caffeine, so I try to avoid it. Because uh, I, I don't carry the burdens. These are the Lord's. His yoke is easy. But I will tell you the one thing that concerns me, that makes me concerned about the future of this nation and the future of Western civilization is this. The lack of courage in men. We have become exactly what Gene was talking about. We have lost our courage to be men. God created you to be a man. He didn't create you to be a mouse. He didn't create you to be effeminate. He didn't create you to be emasculated by the culture. He created you to challenge the culture. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. And I'm going to read the entire chapter because God said, It's my word that will not return unto me void. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was six, 60 cubits and a width of 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, let me stop there for just a moment because the story of Daniel in the first the 12 chapters, the first six chapters are historic. They're a historical account of, of what occurred. But here's something we see in Daniel and, and what we're going to see here in his three friends. And this is about what uh, I made reference to the moving of the cheese. It is adversity that precedes advancement. And if you're, if you're going through life trying to avoid adversity, guess what? You are, you are step, sidestepping the advancement that God has for your life. That, that's the only way. We see this throughout Scripture. We see it in David. What did David face before he faced Goliath? You remember? The lion and the bear. 
had he not faced the lion and the bear, he wouldn't have had the courage to face Goliath. Adversity precedes advancement in the kingdom of God. So satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, to, it, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So at the time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, in sympathy with all kinds of music, all the people's nations, languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all of the instruments and whoever does not fall down in worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men... O king, have not paid due regard to you. They have not served your gods or worshipped the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, he spoke and commanded that the heat of the furnace be seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace." Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? 
They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the midst of the fire. The satraps, the administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, who delivered these servants, who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word. And they yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then... The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Father, we thank you for your word. For you have told us that your word will not return unto you void. May your word go forth this morning through the preparation of the Holy Spirit to challenge our hearts and minds, transforming us by the truth of your word to be the men that you have called us to be in Christ Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Three things I want us to look at very quickly. I want us to look at fire, faith, and freedom. The fire. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold. Whoever does not fall down in worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now, fire symbolizes a test, purification, refinement. In this biblical account, it is the backdrop to what I call idols, identity, and ideology. This was an idol that had been set up, and that's pretty clear. You know, we're, we're, we're told that we're not to worship idols. We get that. We don't bow down to, to stone. We don't bow down to wood. But before we dismiss the idea of idolatry as a non-issue because of that ancient practice that we don't do today, I want you to consider for a moment what is at the heart of idolatry. And that is gods of our own making that are exalted above the one true God. See, I believe religion can be an, an idol. Sports can be an idol. Work can be an idol. Anything that we exalt above the one true God becomes an idol. And from that idol, we gain our identity. What we worship becomes our identity. I mean, I know I'm going to step on some toes here this morning, but that's fine because I'm going to Washington tomorrow. So I'll be out of town. But you notice how many people wear jerseys with people's names on them, sports figures? 
It's a form of idolatry. I, I, I know, again, I'm probably stepping on some toes, and I'm not a sports fan, so that's fine. If we worship or submit our lives to Jesus Christ, we take on his identity. In Galatians 2, verse 20, says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I believe as men, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your identity is in Christ. We are Christians. Why do we have the name Christian? Because we've taken on the identity of Jesus Christ. Now, Babylon was the idol capital of the world at the time. It was the first really great empire. You had the Assyrians and you had the Babylonians. And, and, and they were the center of idolatry. In fact, it's interesting. That's why God carried the, uh, Judah, was captured, carried into Babylon. They wanted idolatry. Well, they were going to have idolatry. That was the center of idolatry. And just an interesting note here, one idol is never enough. One idol is never enough. Immorality never stands still. It is constantly on the march. Each city had its own patron idol. And in the center of the city, there was a temple dedicated to the gods, which one usually being the patron god of the city, which became a part of the city's identity. And it wasn't just the cities. The people were given names that reflected one of their gods. Even Daniel. His name was changed when he was carried away captive to Babylon. His name was Belteshazzar, which means Baal protects his life. Nebuchadnezzar was named after the god Nebo. They were identified by their gods. Their idols were their identity. But there's one more step. Their identity became their ideology. From our, from our identity becomes our ideology, our worldview, the way in which we think, and the way we think, we live. If we're truly following Jesus, our ideology is biblical, and our worldview should be found in Scripture. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think has become the prevailing ideology, the identity, the idol of our age? Anybody want to take a stab at it? Social media? Money? Anyone else? Politics? All good answers, but I'm going to give you the answer, I think, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm going to step on a lot of toes. And, I'm, and I, I love to enrage the left. It's sex. This is actually really not a departure from ancient idol worship because almost all of the idol worship of the ancient world included sexual immorality. Consider just a few facts. The sexual revolution gave us sexual promiscuity, gave us abortion. Where is this led? Disease. The latest numbers, in fact, right here in Baton Rouge, we're at like have you ever noticed any of the billboards? Those aren't just up there for no reason about gonorrhea and AIDS. 
we've become a hot spot in the nation for that. One in five Americans have an STD. 68 million with about 20 million new cases each year with a price tag of about $16 billion just in direct medical cost. Why? Because sex has become an idol. Pornography is a part of that. All right, I know I'm going to start really stepping on some toes here. You know, 16 states have declared a health crisis over pornography. A health crisis because of the addiction and the problems that, are, I, that pornography leads to. Let me tell you, pornography will rob you of what God has designed for you in your relationship with your married spouse. Men, if sex has become an idol for you, it's, it, it becomes your identity and it will become your ideology. I mean, look at what happened, what's happened in our country today. We're now identified by our sex. You're a homosexual, you're a transsexual, you're a pansexual, you're fluid sexual. I mean, all of these, th this is insanity. It looks that way, but it is the natural flow of our idolatry, which becomes our identity. And that's where we are in this country today. So that's the, 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 the fire that we're faced with as men. Are we going to become a part of this? Are we going to be forced? Are we going to bow down to the idols of this age? You think, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm telling you what, how how systematic this has become where we are now to celebrate this ideology of sex in our country, where we're to celebrate transsexual. I mean, before you know it, you're going to have transsexuals on beer cans. All right, I know who drinks beer, huh? No. <laughs> But that's where we've become as a culture. And I know many of you, if you're in the marketplace, if it hasn't happened already, you're going to have to make a choice if you're going to bow down in the midst of this cultural pressure because you're facing the fire. The fire is being stoked. I have a... 19-year-old police officer in Georgia, Jacob Kernsey. Lifelong dream to be a police officer. Gets a job, Port Wentworth, Georgia, as a police officer. And he happens to, 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 uh, to, to follow, uh, I know him now, but prior to his encounter, he was following the Family Research Council and, and doing what, what believers should do, speaking out. He put on his, on his personal Facebook page basically a passage of Scripture from Paul saying there can be no such thing as homosexual marriage because marriage reflects the relationship between Christ and the church. And guess what? He was suspended. Suspended for a week. He was called back in and, and he was told, now, Jacob, you can have your job back and we'll put you back on the road, but you have to promise never to comment on Scripture again on your social media 
And I mean, here's a young man. He was faced with either being able to live his dream or be faithful to God. And he said, no, I can't do that. And he walked away. A 19-year-old man. That's what gives me hope and courage for these young people. We're, we're told all these young people have walked away. There is a remnant of young men and women who have had parents, who have fathers in particular, that have spoken into their lives and are modeling for them what it means to be a courageous man of God. If you haven't faced it, you're going to face the challenge. And you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I am certain, it is, as, they told, as they told the king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. The reason they said that is because their minds had been made up. They were going to serve the Lord. You can't wait until that moment to decide what you're going to do. You have to settle that in your heart right now. I want you to look at the faith. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They have not served your gods or worshipped the gold image which you have set up. That was, a correct op that was a correct observation. They didn't bow, but it was a false accusation that they did not regard or respect the king. They were not dishonoring the king. They were honoring the Lord. And, and we're going to hear this. You're going to hear this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil and false things against you for my sake. You know, we see this today. Those who love God are called haters because they will not affirm the idols and the ideology of this hour. You're going to be falsely accused. But notice also there's coercion. Now, if you're ready at the time, you hear the sound of all the music and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The fire is real. Losing your job, that's real. But there's also the, 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 the peer pressure, the inducement, the music, the crowds. It was the... I don't know if that was the Babylonian Beatles or Snoop Camel Camel that was out there doing the music. But there was all the, I mean, this was all the known world at the time. Leaders were all gathered on this great plain of Dura. And here's three guys. Are you willing to stand courageous by yourself? That's why we need bands of brothers. That's why we need these fellowships so that we can have the encouragement to stand in that moment of testing. You know, the fire there, that was the cancel culture. We've got to be willing to stand in the face of the cancel culture. You know, I, I've been canceled so many times I've lost count. But you know what? When you've been crucified with Christ, you can't be canceled. We need to have an eternal perspective. Let me go to this. You know, the big day of testing 
is often seen by everyone, but it's preceded with the small choices of the heart that few, if any, ever see. You see, that, that big day, when the, when the big task comes that everybody sees, that's preceded by those small decisions to follow God that many never see. And so if, if you're waiting for that big day, oh, I could, I could do that, I, I could do that, but you know what, I, 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 maybe I'm looking at something, nobody's ever going to see what I'm looking at on my phone. No, no one's ever going to know about what I'm, what I'm thinking about. It, these big days of testing are preceded by those small tests as to whether or not we're faithful to honor God in every aspect of our lives. Faith in the face of fire brings freedom. Then the king was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loosed walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. The fires of trial refine us, bringing forth the truth and the truth is what makes us free. You see, it is, those, it is that adversity that prepares us for the advancement. You see, when, when we're willing to stand in the face of the fire, committed to the Lord God, trusting him with our future, look, look it, it, the Lord will deliver us from you, king, and if not, we're going to go be with him quicker. I mean, think about it. What do we have to lose? In that comes tremendous freedom. When we get beyond what somebody posts about us on Facebook or what someone tweets about us, or frankly, I, I quit worrying about what people think about me a long time ago. There, there's two things, if, if, there's three things. One, I know my relationship with God. And if that relationship is right, because I'm in prayer every day, and he tells me, the Holy Spirit shows me if there's something that's not right. And if that relationship is right, and my wife loves me, which means I'm treating her the way I should, as Gene said, as Christ loved the church, and my children respect me, I don't care about anything else. Uh, and I'm all, in, in all seriousness, I don't care about anything else. My wife loves me because I'm treating her as Christ treated the church and my children. Notice I said respect me, not necessarily like me. <laughs> they respect me because they know that I do what I say. And that I am the same in public as in private. Because our children... And men, this is why many young people have walked away from the church is because they have failed to see the integrity in their fathers. We are one thing on Sunday morning and something else the rest of the week. And they have a hard time figuring out this relationship with God that only works one day a week. 
be a man of integrity. And this fire, this trial, when God moves your cheese, it leads to fellowship with God because you are totally dependent upon him. The fires of trial strengthen us and they make us complete. James says this in chapter 1 of James, is my brethren, count it all joy. That's what Gene was saying, be thankful. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Thank God for the adversity, because you know what that tells you? As God has advancement coming for you, if you will be faithful to him. Final point, how do we do this? How do, we, how do we live like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How do we live like Daniel? How do we live like David? How do we live like a man that God would write about? Do you want to be a man that God would write about? Think about that. Three things. Pray, stay, obey. Pray, stay, obey. Pray. Pray without ceasing. And if you, you have not carved out a time in your day, every day, where you're alone with God, that's the first step. I mean, how many of you only talk to your wife once a week? If that's the case, I wouldn't want to be in your home. If we're going to have a relationship, we've got to be in communication. Stay. Stay in the word of God. If you don't have a systematic, regular Bible reading plan, I encourage you to do that. We have a, a two-year Bible reading plan that we're doing at the Family Research Council. And, it, and it's revolutionized our organization. Our, we've got about 10,000 people that are doing this with us. I get notes all the time from people who've been believers for years but never been in the Word of God. And they're just talking about how it's changed their relationships, how it's changed their life. The Word of God is the roadmap for how we are to live. And you talk about encouraging. When we realize stories like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which are so relevant to where we are today, stay in the Word. And then third, obey without delay. When God speaks, we're to respond. Pray, stay, and obey. The fires of trial are here. We're living in a day very much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The furnace is being stoked. It's just a matter of time before you're going to be asked to bow to the idols of this age. Don't wait until that moment to make your decision on how you're going to respond. Be a man of courage. Stand courageous for the truth of God's word. Father, I thank you for these men this morning. And we thank you for your word. 
May your word not be lost on us this morning, but may our hearts be challenged, and may we be men of courage, and may we stand in our day of testing. In Jesus' name, amen.